Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Pete with his laugh. How that? How about Hearthstone? And ha! <laughs> you know, yeah. he's, he's laughing so, out loud. It's lo- it is a louder it's a laugh. Louder, it's a jovial man. It's a cackle. He's a, he's a, it's almost a like a, the Joker on Batman. <laughs> Yo, 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 what's up? It's Chris Sims. Chris Sims Unbuttoned. Ahmed Farid is here today. He's representing the t-shirt. He's got the Unbuttoned logo on. That's him doing the Superman pose. Yes, the Joker cackle is in the back room working the producer, director buttons, doing it all for us as you, as always. Yep. Good to see you, man. Good to see you, Hope too. Hope you had a good weekend. We're in the middle of Dolphins-Eagles right now. We just had a huge turning point of the game, right? 17-10 Eagles. Uh, Tyree Kill dropped the third and three touchdown. Fourth and three, don't get it. Should have been pass interference. Face mask on the Eagles. Turnover on downs to the Eagles. They run a RPO. Jalen Hurts tries to throw the ball. Kahoo tips it. Jerome Baker, interception, pick yes. six, and now we're at 17-7. So there's your play-by-play for a game that you'll already know what goes on tomorrow morning. But Just another, like the rest of them. <laughs> another person that I'm thinking about is the person who's DVR'd the game and yeah. is waiting to watch it in full until after the podcast. Well, okay. Updated we'll put a disclaimer time. on before we do it. Hey, don't don't listen to the start of the pod. But no, actually, don't worry about that guy because that guy's an idiot. This is okay. a football podcast wrapping up the week in football. Yeah, so why, why would, would he, he be doing that? Right. We expect intel- more intelligent listeners here. Uh, <laughs> part of our podcast yeah. but it's it's a special night uh it's a great game we got going on it was a good week seven we got a little of everything to talk about i don't know if there was there was a few crazy games for sure I we know there that were a lot more than yeah. a few yeah there was definitely some upsets and i think even some games that we thought might go the way they did uh they went in a way that you didn't expect it i guess is what's to say yeah. and and more importantly Ahmed is wearing his famous red pants, so yeah. this has to be a good podcast. I showed up with the Here t-shirt and the pants Boom. and the, uh, the glasses. Boom. I'm ready to go. Damn. I'm ready to go. I was in East Lansing last night. It was oh, really? Cold. Shocker. You've never been there before, huh? Uh, yeah, yeah. There's been a lot of games there. None that went the way that that Big one Ten did. Spartan yeah, package we have a for lot the of, Peacocks. We have them against Ohio State. We have them against oh. Penn State. Oh, my gosh. So this, oh. could be, uh, this could be rough for Sparty down the stretch here. But uh, the segments that we will go through today, okay. and, and it's our promise to you each and every week, is that we talk about each and every game you know it. which is easier this week because there were six teams on oh, five, it so. made my life so good at one o'clock there was only six games to watch Oof. 
I felt like I could digest them. I really knew what was going on. Usually with the eight and nine games, I'm really flustered and like writing things a million miles per minute. There's one game that you're just like, that game's on? What? It's in the fourth quarter? Well, yeah, you're right. There's like, wait, what's going on in this game? There is usually one. In those days where it's a full slate, you're like, wait, I don't really know what happened in the first half of that football game. You know, and then I try to lean on somebody that might, you know, give me at least context clues and stuff like that. This is how good this podcast is today. We know what happened in both halves of every game. Right. Uh, So our segments today are reality check for some teams, uh, taking care of business, down to the wire, give me the headlines, and then a quick Thursday night football recap and a Monday night football preview. Preview. Um, And Sunday night football. We'll talk about that once the game goes final and periodically to update you on things that you already know. We start with reality check. Two games in this segment. Of course we start with the Lions <laughs> of all times over the last Of course four they years. fucking put up this kind of effort after I just said they're a Super Bowl contender on national TV last week. I mean, geez, I finally get your back, Detroit. This is how you treat me? Yeah. Oh, that's right. I picked the Ravens to win anyways. But you did. I you did. But, it, you know, it, it's more to it than that. We know that. Well, let's dive into it. It was, it was interesting. This would be one of the games where, yeah, I picked the Ravens to win. Did I think they were going to win 38-6? to six? Absolutely not. So where do you want to start? I don't want to start. So, <laughs> Tough um, shit. No, so like this is this is what we get. This is what we get for Lions fans because we started to believe. We all started to believe. We're like, wow, the defense actually is much improved from last year. I think it still is. Yes. But this game did not show that. Um, but it, it did feel like one of those things where you like uh, Lions fans, you got a little greedy. You well, got a little greedy. Yeah. yeah. I think your team a got too greedy. confident. You know, your whole team did. It's it's That's it's five true. and one. You could be six and zero. Oh. Last week, I think you know. Not only me saying that on on Football Night in America, I feel like a lot of people kind of said that like the you know the dolphins crossed the th- i mean the dolphins the, the lions crossed crossed a threshold last week where i think people went yeah they're a playoff team but i don't know if they're anything more than that right now so they were feeling themselves chest puffed out hey we're the biggest thing in you know detroit michigan right now but baltimore of course a team that matches up really well with you guys has a style of play of football that really matches up with you Right. So there's there's some of the places you have advantages and usually you didn't have it in this matchup, let alone they were coming to the game four and two and going, wait, we played some moments of good football, but we lost two games. We probably shouldn't have lost. We've let some teams hang around in London with the Tennessee Titans longer than they should have. They had yet to put a full game together and really kind of just go, hey, here we are, the Ravens. You know, you had heard me for a few weeks kind of say, when the Ravens are at their best, I'm really impressed. They just haven't been able to do it through a four-quarter span. This was one that started from the get-go. The first drive of the football game was Lamar on fire, making throws. And then, of course, the fourth and one, you know, boot QB keep around the left edge that put you guys down seven nothing and yep. really just like kept the momentum on on Baltimore side throughout the football. It game. was total domination. It from was. the get go. It, it was. was a 75 yard drive. It was a 68 yard touchdown drive. It was a 92 yard touchdown drive and it was an 80 yard touchdown drive. Meanwhile, the Lions went three and out, three and out, three and out on their first three possessions. And at that point, the, the, the game basically was over. So. What, what do you think? What do you think clicks so well? What was the combination that worked so well? Because let's do give credit to the Ravens. This just wasn't sure, the Lions sure. because it wasn't like it was big plays. It was seven plays, eleven plays, eight plays, six plays. And so while it wasn't necessarily a grind, you know they still had to put the drives together. What, what do you think it was for the Ravens? They have one, the size you guys have, right? So they don't have to overplay like the run game. 
Okay, so that's one thing for sure. And now, okay, play action pass might not be as good because we don't have to worry about over. Our big guys are big just like you. We feel like we can hang in there, right? That's the first thing. You know, I think the other part of this is, you know, your defensive line for the most part usually can go, wait, we're big enough and we're good enough to slow down the run by ourselves. We don't need to load the box and be totally crazy. We can play our zone coverages that we talked about in the back end here. But this is a passing team or a team that goes, wait, we can run it and be scary. So I think you guys probably were a little bit worried about that. And then in your secondary with your zones and everything like that, they got some talent of receiver. They got some speed. And they found some creative ways, I think, throughout right from the get-go of the game that Lamar got going. They found some big completions down the middle of the football field. And it kind of just snowballed from there. But, yeah, you felt like – um, after the first drive, they kind of had you guys in a spot where it's like, wait, you know, it felt like you guys overplayed the run game a little bit early on. Sure. Like you were worried about, hey, they're going to overpower us. We got to worry about that. Yeah. And Ravens kind of, I think, kind of felt that way. And they came out throwing the football, and Lamar was sharp. And like you said, I think at one point in the second quarter, it was like 206 yards to six yards early in the first quarter yeah. or second quarter. But those were pretty six yards. Like you, 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 <laughs> you saw those six like yards, that. they were pretty nice. Right. Um, yeah, <laughs> the Ravens had some nifty RPOs, too, where it really did look like a run, and then they – I think one Gus Edwards leaked out and uh, got a long eighty-yard yep. completion down the sideline. So they we had, had the Mark Andrews. They same had type thing, a same type of thing where it's like they looked like they were run the quarterback sweep, people pulling right, but nobody went past the line of scrimmage. Mark Andrews kind of fakes like he's in a block for a few seconds and then releases up the sideline. The play on the fourth and one that we just talked about on the first drive again was using the run game. Lamar keeps it around the edge. Uh, there was another play too. They had a cool RPO to OB. OBJ early on in the football game uh, that, that, you know, again, you play zone defenses. You're worried about stopping the run. Oh, wait, we all move up to stop the run. Oh, wait, Lamar kept it around the edge. Now we got to move to go get him. Oh, now there's a hole in the void, and boom, he hits OBJ. But I think the, the, the thing I liked was yeah, they, they had some plays. where They played through their run in this football game in a yeah. lot of ways. I know the stats weren't big, and they didn't rush for 180 yards or all that. But a few of the wrinkles they had off the play-action pass game. But more importantly, yeah, I just think it was Lamar in the pass game. It was the first game I feel like we saw Andrew, Zay Flowers, OBJ, and Rashad Bateman kind of look like, hey, they're all healthy. They all got a little role in the offense, and Lamar knows how to spread it around. And the Ravens, like we said, I'll, I'll say it like I said against your team last week, the Ravens are a Super Bowl team. You know, they're not 32 points better than you guys, but they got you in a football game where, okay, now it's 14 nothing. So you kind of avoid the run a little bit. It becomes pass, pass game. Oh, oh, so now you lose your play action pass and do that. Oh, now it's 21 nothing. Well, yeah. shit, now we can't run it at all. We have to drop back and pass it, you know, almost every play when it gets to that point. Yeah. You know, and, and that's when the Ravens can be scary, too, because they can play with your protections. They're very well coached on the, on, on the defensive side of the football. Uh, they have creative ways to do a lot of different things. The Ravens are one of the better teams in football. They For should sure. not be 5-2. and two. They should probably be at least 6-1 and one is what I would say. Uh, but, yeah, that was a dominant, dominant effort. But in our defense, once it was 35 nothing, we did outscore them 6-3 to three from that point forward. So I do <laughs> want to note that. Uh, Magoom Dano says, yeah. damn, okay, Lamar Jackson. Better pocket passer than Herbert? Question mark. I do want to show the dots play the – 
Yeah, touchdown to Nelson Aguilar. So for watching on Peacock or YouTube, this is the play where, according to Next Gen Stats, the time to throw for Lamar was 9.24 seconds on this 12-yard touchdown, the longest on a touchdown pass since week 14 of 2018 and the third longest in the next-gen stats era. Well, this is the evolution of Lamar. And, you, you know, you've heard, you, you know, we've, we've talked about this. He is a look-for-the-pass-first quarterback. That, that's what he's been, all right? He has been the last year or two, tries to work the pocket. So he tries to give pass plays time to develop downfield, but his patience early on in this football game a few times where he had protection and he was like, wait, wait, I'm not going to run. You know, I'm not going to try to fit a ball in here. Let me just sit back here and slide and buy a little more time and see if somebody separates. And on this play, yeah, not only stays in the pocket forever, but then when it gets to a point with like, oh, whoa, the pocket's collapsing, like you'll see here if you're continuing to watch, pocket's collapsing. Okay, now let me start to make something happen. This is where he does the little 360 whirly durl, and then he runs out to the right and sets up. Like he could have ran around the edge and probably got the first down, but he went, no, I got more dangerous things I can do here if you let me set up and throws a great ball to Nelson Aguilar in the back of the end zone. His throwing was on point, as it was last week uh, in Tennessee. You know, now did they have some red zone struggles and whatever else? Sure, okay, but it wasn't Lamar. It wasn't like missed throws, as it was the week before against Pittsburgh. When right, remember the Ravens dropped like four passes for like a you know more than four passes, like huge passes. Right, so he's been on his game. I think now it's the rest of the offense is coming along. They're starting to learn how to tie things together, and this is one of the best defenses in football to go along with it. They are a team that you look at and go, yeah, maybe like the Lions kryptonite a little bit as far as how they match up with you guys. Maybe other teams' kryptonite, too, because we'll end with Eric DePasta's comment to us. He goes, damn, okay, Ahmed's Lions played more like the Detroit Housecats, that's for sure. (laughs) That's an insult to Housecats, I do believe. Uh, It seemed like the Ravens opened up the run with a pass today using Detroit's aggressiveness against them. Do you think this is a game the Ravens used to get that number one seed and start dominating? I I, I do think this will be a jump ball point. I would be shocked if this doesn't mean, like, just continued sharp upward trajectory for the Ravens. And one of the reasons, and this is a great – point by Eric DePasta. We talked about this on the pod last Wednesday, right? You guys have a tendency to kind of go a little all in on something. Oh, the Ravens run the ball. We're going to be really aggressive and stop the run. And the Ravens knew that. So they got in some run sets early on. Did they and, listen to the podcast? Well, I don't know. But the, well, Did we screw they, my they, Detroit Lions? <laughs> the Ravens are smart. They got a lot of smart people. Plus, I think they have the guts, like, like I talked about in my picks podcast, just to say they're not going to let Detroit you know, put eight guys within seven yards of the line of scrimmage or nine guys and stop their run game. They're going to take some shots and back them off. And, of course, they did that and uh, really were phenomenal throughout the day. Ravens have a really complete football team. Yeah. Right? They really do, across the board. They rush the passer better than years past, which is impressive. They got big people. We know their linebackers are awesome. Their secondary is phenomenal. Their receivers are good. The run game's healthy. And the O-line is close to healthy for the first time in a while. Can't forget about that. That's going to be another big reason. Your Lions, last thing I'll say here, yeah. you know, they got to find ways to get Jamison Williams the ball more, right? In a game like this where you look at the Ravens, the Ravens did, did have some moments, at least it looked like to me, when they showed replays of things where I go, man, the Ravens, they played man-to-man here, and nobody was really separating. Amon Ross St. Brown is a really good 
player. Don't get me wrong. But he's going to separate in the 5 to 8 to 10-yard area, right? You need, you need somebody else that can run 20-yard in cuts, you know, post over the top, 30-yard deep crossing routes and create separation that way. That's where I think they're going to look at this film after this game and go, we got to start putting Jamison Williams in some more of these situations yeah. to kind of add to our offense and scare people. You won't be so daring getting up there to stop the run if yeah. he starts to beat you deep all the time. You know, I'm worried about him. You know that, right? You know I'm worried about him. Why are you worried? I- I'm worried that he's not the guy that – he I, can know. Be. I know. I know. Well, he'll never live up to I the mean, guy that he could be. He had a Six. play. He had a play today where he ran by everybody, yeah. and he almost caught it. Like he was one of those where you go, mm-hmm. ah, that would have been a really good catch, but Goff could have thrown it better too. So again, the speed's real. I understand you're worrying about him. Uh, they need to find a consistent role for him. That that's yeah. going to be the next step here. They threw it to him six times. No catches though for. Uh, my guy, JMO, uh, we spent way too much time on that game. I okay. don't even know why we even talked about that game in this podcast, um, <laughs> considering the result. So let's move on okay. to the Patriots and Bills. This one was a much closer game, although the Patriots, I feel like for the most part, ha- were in front. seemed like they kind of had a handle on this game. We're making life very difficult for Josh Allen and that offense for the, the Buffalo Bills. They did score a couple late touchdowns, some bad tackling on Stephon Diggs. Um, but Mac Jones had his moment, drove down the field, maybe the best uh, – offensive day of the season for the Patriots and certainly maybe the the highlight drive of the season there to win this one definitely I think it was the most balanced we saw the Patriots look it's the best they moved the ball consistently all year throughout a game four quarters right I mean yeah Mac Jones was sharp Uh, they had a run game to depend on to a degree at least it wasn't so like Wait, we, every time we run the ball is zero yards. At least there was something there to build off of and keep the, the Bills' de, uh, defense honest. So that was important, definitely. Um, the, 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 the defense played really good. Okay, that was another important or impressive thing about the game. And, you know, there they were. Even with all that and all these positives, you go, oh, my gosh, Kendrick Bourne fumbles, right? And you're gonna, the Bills are going to win this football game and do that. Uh, you know, I know it, we're, it's Bill Belichick's 300th win as a head coach, right? He, only George Hallis and Don Shula, and we should talk about them a lot, and they did a really good job. But I still think the story of this game is, is what is Buffalo? What is Buffalo? It, it just seems like if Buffalo doesn't, you know, have just this crazy home energy, you know, sometimes their defense doesn't seem to fly around or make plays. You know, they didn't really pressure Mac Jones a whole lot today. He found completions consistently oh, throughout. He was 25 of 30 for an 83% completion percentage. I, I mean, so, like, what, what, like the, the Bills got issues. And then we go back to the other side of the ball. I mean, what did the Patriots do today? It's the same thing we've talked about the two weeks before. Limit the crazy plays by Allen, which, you know, you, you, he's going to make a few. Limit them. I mean, balls that traveled deep down the field for huge pass plays, they didn't happen very much in this football game, if ever, right? So there they are. And the big thing is, it's just then what is the other answer for the Buffalo Bills if it's just not Josh Allen doing, like, unbelievable things? And I have that concern, let alone, you know, they're a little banged up, the Bills, on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah, for sure. And they're a totally different football team to where you go, you know, yeah, I know they can survive, but are they going to survive to the point where they're barely going to get in the playoffs? Are they going to be able to survive here and still get a home playoff game? I don't know. I think it's a very fair question. And as I stand here right now, I think it's kind of a toss-up or a coin flip there. 
After the first game of the season, felt great about my Bills pick to not make the playoffs. After that, felt terrible. Right. About it. Now, now you're feeling feel pretty better, good, right? It's a roller coaster. It, it is a roller coaster. Four Niners seven zero one says, "Damn, okay, Bill Belichick. What a game plan uh, that was today." And that will lead us to inside the numbers, powered by AWS. Let's take a look at Josh Allen's passing chart. You've already talked about this, alluded to this. Did you see more of the same of what teams have done to kind of contain Josh Allen? Looking at his passing chart here. Uh, what what maybe did the Patriots force him to do that uh, contained him? Ch- you know, it, it looked like you know, and again, this is where the film will come in handy. But it looked like they were like, no, no, you're not going to throw forty yard lasers down the middle of the football field. If you want to be patient and take the checkdowns and do all that, which is which is what a lot of these are. You know, they're kind of like checkdowns. Like, hey, I'm looking for a fifteen or twenty yard pass. I'm looking for the thirty yard pass. Nothing's there. That's where I get into. I feel like they need to get an unbelievable variety of the short passing game and live there for a little bit. They have moments where they can be surgical, but then it's like Ken Dorsey gets a little impatient and he's like, uh, all right, let's take a shot down the field here. And then you go, oh, it's second down, second and 10. Then they run the ball and then it's third and 10. And then they go, well, let's take another shot. It's third and 10. Let's just see if he can make magic. And they go, oh, now they're off kilter. They're punting the ball. Here we go. They lose their patience with it. I've given up on trying to think they're going to run the ball consistently throughout the game. Right. But yeah, I think it was the same type of thing. You know, not that um, Allen is harassed, but Allen couldn't find the lanes in between the tackles where he goes and runs for a 15 yard gain or like we see him run between the tackles and he attacks the line of scrimmage. Right. And then just as you think he's about to get to the line of scrimmage and turn it on a run, he throws a ball like 15 or 20 yards down the field. Yeah. None of that's going on. And that's the Bills offense. And that's just not acceptable. And I don't know what they're going to do to to fix that. But it was it was hard work for the Bills offense all game long. Once again, other than the five. I'd play 75-yard drive that made it uh, 22-17. Everything other than that was work for them constantly throughout the day. And too much, as we always say, is just on Josh Allen's shoulders. And yeah. uh, I think everybody is starting to see that now as you watch them on a consistent basis. So what do you make of this stat? Yeah. And maybe it's kind of related to what you've already talked about with Josh Allen. Uh, he averaged his longest time to throw in a game this season, 3.26 se- seconds. So when he did that, he struggled. When he had to hold on to the ball. Yeah. Uh, 10 of 24, 130 yards, an interception when it was over two and a half seconds. Because they're still calling plays downfield, and Bill Belichick is going, We're playing downfield. You ain't going to, it's not going to be there. Right? You know, he never had much pressure. You know, even the Giants game, there was moments. Remember, we talked about it. It was three and four man rushes. It was just don't let him run. Don't mm-hmm. let up the big play downfield. The week before against Jacksonville, yeah. it was the same thing. And some of those pressure numbers are not representative of what's happening in the game because the pressures are because he's holding onto the ball. And eventually they'll get there. Exactly right. The pressures more times than not are coverage sacks and they're going, we're okay with you sitting there doing that because we got digs covered deep. And now if you want to check it down to, you know, a Gabe Davis or one of your tight ends, that people are willing to live with that. They're going to go, okay, fine. You know, we'll, we'll let you have Dalton Kincaid for six or seven here, mm-hmm. and then he might get a few more yards every now and then. But we're not going to let you throw the howitzer down the middle of the field. So, again, that's where – I, I don't think teams are being careful about blitzing him because they don't – when you blitz him, he makes one guy miss, he's around the edge, he runs, he makes magic happen. Or you have man-to-man down the field. So teams are starting to go, fuck rushing him like it's like pin our ears back and let's go kill the quarterback. Let's, let's just, like we talked about, not pass him, keep our eyes on him, and let him sit back there and pat the ball and see if somebody can get open. And again – 
You know, I just don't know if there's enough firepower down the football field or any of that, even in those scenarios. Okay, now I'm sitting here for five or six seconds, right? And people are moving around. Diggs is the only one in there that you're worried about. Yeah. Gabe Davis is not going to separate and do that when, he, when that happens. He's not like a, oh, I'll run back and help you in the scramble drill or do any of that. So, yeah, they got their workout, work cut out from them. And, and as it stands right now, we look sure. like we were more right than wrong to start the year. So this is all good and well. There's a little bit of a blueprint on how you handle Josh Allen. But as we often say and you point out, is like some teams can do that, other teams cannot do that. Yeah. Is this something that other teams will be able to do? with Josh Allen and the Bills in their current form on offense. Yeah, I think this is one that th- every team can replicate to a degree. I do. Yeah. I, I, this is one that you don't have to have, like, incredible talent to figure this one out. And I think also with the fact that three teams in a row did it and caused them so much problems, yeah. you know, people go back. The first thing they do is watch the four previous games. They're going to look at the three previous games and go, well, wait, one thing's in common. He wasn't throwing the ball 50 yards down the field, and he wasn't running around making magical plays. The Buccaneers next week certainly will be able to do that. The, the Cincinnati Bengals the week after that certainly will be able to do that. You know, they got the Broncos. You know, we know they're not a good defense. That could be a different game. But then it's the Jets and the Eagles and the Chiefs the three weeks after that. Yeah, we've already seen the Jets do that. We yeah. know the Eagles and Chiefs will be able to do that. So, yeah, that's why I'm worried about Buffalo. And like I've been saying, they need to find another element in their offense. There's got to be something else that they're making teams defend. It can't just be 17 throwing lasers, run around the edge and throw another laser. And then if that's not there, yeah. run and be our leading rusher too, right? The whole game is on him. I'm sick of it. They need to fix it. All right. That was Inside the Numbers and a rant by Chris Sims, kind of all together, <laughs> powered by AWS. I do want to give credit again, tip of the hat. You mentioned it, 300 wins for Bill Belichick. has been under the microscope this year, uh, a little bit more in the last year, too. Yeah. Uh, and after the game, they asked him about it, and he goes, mm, that was great. Yeah. Did you hear that? Oh, great. I'm focused on it right, right now. <laughs> I got to worry about this team right now. I, I, I'll say this. It, of course, he's one of the greatest coaches of all Ooh, time. One of. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I think he's the greatest coach of all time. Okay. Definitely. I, I just was being broad there. Yeah. You know, I do think he has a great appreciation. I mean, his respect for George Hallis and Don Shula and people like that. It means you know, a lot to him. It means a lot to him. It would be one of those, yeah, when the season's over and he can think about it, he'll stick his chest out and go, damn, I did do a pretty good job. Uh, but, yeah, they got an uphill battle right now. He's, he is the ultimate not going to let – celebration creep into his mind when they're sitting there at what are they two, two and five, five now yeah, yeah. He, that ain't gonna happen there in new england he's certainly not happy uh but congratulations to him seriously i mean he's a special special football coach around any corner within every battle and with the dawn of each new day the threat of the unexpected the unpredictable and the unrelenting lies in wait but marines will always be there they are the constant in the chaos no matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. Did you know Bridgestone developed a tire using 75% recycled and renewable materials? Making a difference today for future generations. That's what really matters. Bridgestone, solutions for your journey. Visit whatreallymatters.com to learn more. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal 
and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. That game came down to the wire. Could have been in our next segment, but we had too many games in our next segment. We go down to the wire. We got four games in this one because these were all one-score games. Uh, They're all good games, good finishes here, too. Browns and Colts. How about this one? There was so much that happened in this game. Uh, What did you think the final score was going to be on this game? (laughs) 17-13, I think, is what I picked on Thursday. Florio picked it to be 13-6. I mean, that's (laughs) the kind of game I really thought it would be. I did. You know, I thought I didn't think it was going to be anything more than twenty to seventeen on your wildest day, especially when Deshaun Watson went out of the football game. Oh, for I sure. was just like, oh well, man, this is just going to be a defensive struggle. If you would have known that information, you would have made me picked even less there. But <laughs> Florio uh, lost his over under in the first quarter. It was fourteen seven by the end of it the was first hilarious. quarter in this one. Thirty nine thirty eight. The Cleveland Browns win, and it's funny. It was like uh, early on, I was like, man, the story of this game is is Miles Garrett, and he was the story of the game, just tipping passes, fumbles, fumble in the end zone, recovered for a touchdown. Uh, He was unblockable by the Colts, but it's weird to kind of start with a defensive player in a game where they gave up 38 points, too. Well, it is. You're right. I mean, first off, who had the Colts and Gardner Minshew going for 456 yards on the number one defense in football that we just saw shut down the 49ers and all those things? I mean, I did on my other podcast. You did? Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. of course you did. I think one – you know, hey, every team has different matchup, poses different problems, right? The way Shane Steichen, again, we've talked about him a lot mm-hmm. this year. He's a brilliant play caller, play designer. So he knows how to tie plays together and stress you and put you in some tough spots as a defensive coordinator. These were big plays. Right? That's a crazy thing. 15 completions for Gardner for 305 yards. I mean, insane. I mean, they found some ways where I mean, Josh Downs was just like, Nobody's in the screen. He's going up the sideline. He's wide open. Oh, okay, 50-yard gain, 40-yard gain. I mean, Michael Pittman over the middle, breaks a tackle, gone, see you later, right? I mean, ran the ball successfully. I mean, really kind of did whatever they wanted on that side of the ball. So, I mean, that, that was impressive. And, yeah, it was big play after big play. But even though within all those big plays and 456 yards and 38 points, the Browns' defense still won the game. Yeah. They did win the game. They did. Okay, it might not have been the way they wanted to, but their playmaking ability won the football game. The, the strip sack that you know gave the short field to the Browns one time, the strip sack that was in the end zone for the touchdown, like you said, Denzel Ward starts the third quarter with an interception that gives them the short field, more points for them. The jump over the right guard on the field goal blocked the field goal, set up another short field for the Browns to kick a field goal, I believe, that time there. So, you know, incredible performance by them. Even though they let up some yards and some big plays that we had not seen them do, they still made a number of plays where they had to because, you know, again, it's it's pretty remarkable. P.J. Walker, two games in a row with being less than efficient, kind of shaky at the quarterback position. They're not getting good play there. Deshaun Watson was even shaky before he got hurt. Yeah. But yet they're still finding ways to win the football game because they can run the ball still. 
you know, they'll make a play here and there in the pass game, and then their defense makes several plays, and that's why they're kind of special right now. Yeah, Deshaun Watson finishes one for five, and then he got hit in the head. His head hit the turf, I think, and he passed the concussion protocol, but they're like, you ain't, you ain't right. And well, so, yeah, and I think his shoulder got a little banged up on the play, like too, it. right? So they just didn't want to risk it. But, yeah, he, was, he threw an interception. He threw another ball that should have been intercepted, and the um, – and the uh, the ball hit the ground. The guy kind of dropped it after review, right? So that did not look good, certainly. But hopefully they can get that going. Uh, the Cleveland defense is going to be pissed about the yards they let off. But still, yeah. to make the plays they did, they were crucial. And uh, we'll see where it goes from here. Stefanski did come out after the game and say, you know, Watson is starting next game. Miles uh, Garrett. Yeah. Has 82 career sacks now. Turns 28 years old later this season. He surpassed Pro Football Hall of Famer Reggie White who had 80 sacks, for the most NFL sacks by a player prior to his 28th birthday. And he's still got some time, too. I'm looking it up. His, he doesn't turn 28 until December 29. He's going to blow past Reggie White. So it's like, uh, as Mike McDaniel said earlier this year, their, their goal was to uh, to have the most stats through week five of the NFL season, like the best offense through week five. Of the Miles Garrett's goal, I'm sure, in his career was to have the most sacks by his 28th birthday. But he's got it. He's a really special football player. I mean, he's... He's on his way to Canton, Ohio right now. There's there's no doubt about that. He's And he might be on his way finally to his first defensive player of the year award with the way he's doing and dominating football games. Plus, like the other thing is, but the way he works and stays in shape, like I don't see any end in sight. It's not like you're going, well, he, he hit the prime and, you know, this is kind of the downslope of his career. I don't know. I mean, damn, he looks as good to me as ever before, right? Can Cleveland continue to sustain this way? That's going to be the big question. They need better quarterback play. We know they can run the ball, right? Um, but even like P.J. Walker throws a bad interception late in the game. He throws a post route. The Colts get the ball in their own two- or three-yard line. Well, they they make them go three and out. They get the ball in good field position. That was actually a great interception. It too, was a great interception. Third, I think it was third and 16. Right, and he threw it down there, and it's like a punt. Part of me was like, man, you should almost do that every time maybe, right? If it's like third and long, chuck the ball down inside the five. Maybe you catch it. Maybe you get pass interference. And if they intercept it, great. Well, there is there is logic to that. I mean, there is. There's, there's times where literally the coaches will go, hey, take a shot. If they intercept it, so what? we got a great defense. They'll be pinned back. Yeah. They're, they're, I'm sure that's been talked about before. Um, but, yeah, they get the stop there. Right. Field goal position. Boom. They kick a field goal. They go up uh, 33-31. Then the Pittman touchdown happens, uh, which was impressive. And then, really, the Browns' offense – put together their only real drive of the game I, in my opinion I know the first drive of the game was three plays 77 yards so it was a 69 yard touchdown run by Jerome Ford it's not like a real drive what I'm talking about yeah. the last drive of the game was 12 plays 80 yards they hadn't done anything like that the whole football game and then to answer the bell of that moment PJ Walker made some really big throws yeah that was impressive by them uh, Jerry Conway 19 wants to know thoughts on the late calls uh, in the Colts-Browns game. NFL has an officiating issue. P.S. Thanks for toning down the language. It's easier listening in the car with kids now. Okay. I don't know if I toned it down. I'm not sure. Maybe they just what? beat me more. That, no, they're better I, that way? No, Jer Jerry Conway's doing the trick, you know, where if you say that. He's trying then, to speak it into existence? <laughs> exactly. He's trying to manifest this. Jerry Conway 19. How fucking dare you do that to me? <laughs> no. Uh, I don't know if I'm going to tone down the swearing all that much. Uh, we definitely have not. And we're, I think we're going to run a soundbite later on that definitely won't be toned down. So uh, the pause now or listen on YouTube because we do – 
take out the F's on YouTube. We do take to, them just out. Just to let okay, people know good. that. There you, yeah. got, you have that. The S's are there, the D's are there, and the A's are there. All of the <laughs> other ones are there, but the F's are gone on YouTube. Well, I uh, want, you know, I got a so the it was calls Dar- he's talking about, Daryl Baker. There were a couple, number 39 for the Colts in the end zone. Oh, yeah. What am I thinking? It was, yeah. Th- hey, listen, they were tough. I mean, one, he's being kind of hit and fumbling. And it's a strip sack fumble. It looks like the Colts are going to win the football game. Yeah. Uh, I believe it was Amari Cooper runs a post corner. But, yeah, I did think that was that was pass interference or, or defensive holding yeah. for sure. Yeah. Right? You know, again, now the timing of did that happen, why the ball was still in the quarterback's hands, or did that happen kind of when he'd already been hit and fumbled? Right. I think that's going to be questionable, and I like to see that on film. Then the one in the end zone. That was suspect for for sure, Jerry. Yeah, it didn't seem catchable. Well, it wasn't catchable. The ball was almost in the tunnel. I mean, that's that's where you just go. What? I mean, how how could that happen there? So, uh, yeah, they they were definitely questionable. I I don't doubt that at all. And yes, the end of the game, referees don't know what the hell to do right now. I don't know. You see some games where they're scared to throw the flags. Other games where they kind of are flag happy. Uh, but I'm yeah. frustrated with the the inconsistencies in refereeing right now. Just too. keep it consistent. That's all I say. Yeah. Call half of them. Just call yep. half of them. You know, just keep it consistent. Every game, <laughs> you call one, you don't call one. Just you know, switch back and forth. Uh, so Browns, big win, big comeback win. Big win against the Colts, thirty nine. I mean, that wouldn't even been good. You beat the Forty ers and then you go on the road and kind of well, like yeah, squash that win with a loss to the Colts. And I don't mean that with disrespect to the Colts, but it looks like the Browns were kind of on to something big here. Uh, and good for them for, for getting a clutch win. Good for the Steelers getting a win over the Rams. Rams were favored in this game. Is that correct? I, I saw somewhere I think they were two and a half, maybe okay. something like that, right? I don't know that why that surprised me, but uh, it was an upset win for the Steelers. 24-17. Uh, Ethan McNew will start us off here. He goes, did Pittsburgh come back stronger from the bye? I think they really, really missed Deontay Johnson, and without him, the offense was incomplete. He certainly helps. I mean, we know that. I, I, I've i never seen a team get outplayed more and still win a football game than the Pittsburgh Steelers. That's what I would say. <laughs> I mean, they were the lesser team on the field for the good, big, better part of the day. They were. I don't mean that to be disrespectful. This is like yeah. three years in a row where I go, I, like, I mean, the Steelers have been outplayed by the Rams, outplayed by the Browns, and outplayed by the Ravens, and they won all three football games. I've never seen anything like that. And that goes back to last year and Big Ben's last year of his career. I mean, it, it's truly incredible. It's the Mike Tomlin effect. It, it, it is the never stop, just play like a crazy animal, out hit them, and something good will happen. And then, you know, for the most part, they usually don't make too many mistakes. But even with, like, uh, two of the field goals by, by Pittsburgh – are set up by questionable long field goal decisions by the Rams. The Rams kicking 50-plus field goals, they don't get them. The Steelers got like one first down, they're in field goal range, and they they got six points. So you take those six points, you take then fucking J.J. Watt playing nickelback to start the third quarter? Yeah. Like over the slot receiver, there's three receivers to the right, he's over the middle of the three, his guy kind of clears. He's smart enough to recognize Cooper Cup, the inside of the three receivers there, kind of has an option route. He, I think, also is smart enough to know the guy covering Cooper Cup has inside leverage, so Cooper Cup's going to have to break outside, 
and then kind of reads Matthew Stafford's eyes and breaks on it like he's a all-pro safety <laughs> and just catches it with his hands and then brings it down to 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 what was that the the seven yard line so that that was the play of the game that was the thing that changed everything for the most part and um, really got momentum back on their side and I feel it felt like from that point on I know the Rams went down and scored a touchdown. But it did feel like from that point on that the Steelers kind of had control of the game. They started to run the ball a little bit. And then the George Pickens and Deontay Johnson pass plays started to come along too. Yeah, T.J. Watt was like, what? Miles Garrett getting some momentum for defensive player of the year? No, thank you. Interception pick. Nickelback, new position, add a slash to his uh, position eligibility if you got a defensive fantasy league. Um, yeah. Mean, yeah. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I mean, again, you know, the, the, the first – real drive of the football game again kind of like we just talked about with the browns right was the last drive of the game it was 17-7 it was a 10 play 80 yard drive i mean that was the only drive of the game where i went hell wait here's a real drive down the field i know they had the touchdown drive before that but that was again was a kind of on a short field yeah five play uh, drive right that first start of that second touchdown drive yeah so that that's just uh kind of amazing about the football game but that is a credit it is it is mike tomlin their offense is still Needs more to it. We know that. Um, but Pickett did look comfortable. And maybe with these, you know, the receivers being healthy, they can find something just to add. I mean, their yeah. defense isn't even great, but just kind of makes plays and keeps you out of the end zone. And, you know, they've done a phenomenal job that way. But, yeah, it, it was one of those games where you sat there and you felt like, man, they were outplayed for the most part of the football game. And here they are waving the terrible towel and at four and two, and it's really is unbelievable. They're four and two right now. Yeah, George Pickens does go over 100 yards in this game. Uh, Deontay Johnson, five catches for 79 yards, so some weapons in the in the pass game for sure for the uh, the Steelers. I don't know what else to say about well, that. Well, no, the only other thing that, that I'm interested to see from this game is, yeah. and, and I don't know what they did, either bracket or double Cooper Cup. Ooh. Right, that was the one thing you, you noticed. Puka the game. Nakua went off right. for 154 yards, but Cooper Cup two catches for 29. It looked like they went all in on stopping Cooper Cup, and then they started to use that against them and go, "Okay, hey, you want to double him? Then fine, we'll put Cooper Cup. I mean, Puka Nakua behind him, and now you're going to have one less guy there, and that caused some issues for them. But yeah, it certainly wasn't a Cooper Cup, Matthew Stafford dice him up type of football. Well, game. The Rams did get a weird touchdown on that two-two Atwell. Bomb oh. from Stafford. That was a little fluky too. The so. ball it wasn't like the popped Rams. up in the air and went into Tutu Atwell's hands, right? Or, if I remember correctly, I don't know there. that it popped. Oh no, he was throwing to Cooper Cup. Correct. Yes. He 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 backdoored out of the pocket, scrambled to his left. He's got Cooper Cup crossing the field. He's throwing to Cooper Cup. He throws it a little off target. And luckily, Tutu Atwell was there for the touchdown. Yeah. Yes. So that, the Rams the Rams had some good fortune, uh, fortune as, well as well in the loss. So uh, Steelers get the win. Rams go down. Falcons beat the Buccaneers 16-13 to in a game where Desmond Ritter and the Falcons continued to put the ball on the ground like at the one-half yard line. It was, it was weird. And uh, the, it was some strange plays. The Duke uh, – or Duke. Uh, Drake London. Yeah. The head over heels – ball that one almost looked like it was going to be a fumble out of the end fumble zone. touchback type of play right so like no you get to keep the you ball get to the keep five. the ball fumbled snap there. don't worry fumble the snap here you can have the ball back <laughs> um so i don't want i don't want the the falcons break down by us every time just to be uh desmond ritter 
content, but it's like that. Those were two huge, significant plays, obviously in the game, and the and the fumble that did go out of the end zone where he was running the ball. He had the ball in the wrong arm, which opened up the the ball to be knocked out, and and, and then had another got strip sacked, I believe, at one point too, right by Shaq Barrett. So but they won. They won. This was another one of a little bit. They controlled the game. You always felt like they were in control of the game. And then you looked up and you were like, wait, it's 13 all? But, it, I mean, again, I, you know, I don't care who you are. You fumble the ball twice on the one-foot line. It's hard to win the football game after that. You know, you get strip-sacked you know, in your own area, right? Uh, yeah, it's, again, hard to win the football game that way. You know, and I, actually, I think the strip-sack actually might have happened when – when the Falcons were in field goal territory, if I remember correctly. I can't even remember right. There were so many damn plays there either way. It was an in-between game for him, right? He had the mistakes, but a lot of throws where I went, I like the way that looked, right? Uh, got Pitts going a little bit today for sure, right? We saw Drake London. Um, they found a few nice little screens to, to Algier here and there. You know, always consistent with the run game. But, like, I didn't have as many problems with his decision-making and throws as I had in some other weeks, right? So this was just carelessness with the football a little bit and just mistakes that way that, yeah, they got to get cleaned up there. But I'm I'm a believer in Atlanta in a lot of ways. It's just like I told you, it's just him that's kind of got to get these issues fixed up, whether it's more consistent throwing the football or just taking care of the football in general better. Committed to the run. They ran for 156 total yards. Uh, Bijan Robinson, though, only one rush for three yards. And then during the game, and I had Twitter open. Of course, fantasy Twitter is going crazy. It's just like, Arthur Smith, what an idiot. Why not even use it? He's been suspended probably. Maybe he's hurt. Not on the injury report. It's like mad, wild speculation. But apparently... Uh, per the Fox broadcast, Arthur Smith said that the running back was just not feeling all that great. Right. Robinson said post game that he was dealing with a headache that started last night, and so it seems like it was just a feeling a, a bit off. Yeah, the the headache would not would not be great, and so uh, nothing. It doesn't seem like going forward for B. John Robinson. If he's feeling better, he'll be a big part of that offense. Didn't get his last touch until one of the last play, or get only got his one touch like one of the last plays of the football game. Was on the field, but did not do much. Right. So. Yeah, he must have been really sick to, for them not to have uh, given given him some of those chances. Yeah. But you know, even had another moment of the game where they got inside. He threw a big pass to Scotty Miller. They got inside the five yard line, and they had to settle for a field goal. Right. So they got to find ways to kind of figure out those issues. Um, defense is still top notch. That's one thing for sure. Atlanta's defense is the real deal. It's it's one of the better ones in football. It, it goes back to kind of what we said. Uh, also, I thought the Bucks had made a horrible decision early on in the football game. They were kind of like around midfield going for it on a fourth and three or four. Uh, it was a fourth and six. And, of course, they didn't get it. Gave the short field to a Falcons offense that we know has not been hitting on all cylinders and kind of got, got them jump-started early on in the football game. Um, you know, the, the Bucks D is good. We know that. Baker can make some big plays, certainly. He threw a bad interception, I want to say, early fourth quarter when they were kind of driving. That hurt their football game. But for the most part, he was pretty damn good. They can't run the ball. No, they can't run the ball. That's the big thing. And that's what Todd Bowles wants to do. And they're having to rely on Baker and Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, I think, way more than the Bucs or Todd Bowles really want to. Things are good for the Falcons, though. 2-0 in the division. They're the only team in the NFC South with a winning 
record. That's in, it's crazy. And every win they have is Young Ho Koo kicking a field goal yeah. to win the football game. Young Way Koo. Young right? Way Koo. Did I say, I said this Young way. Ho Koo? This way, sorry, young no, man. Way Koo, man. <laughs> um, yeah, 16-13, game-winning field goal. Yeah, thank you for getting his name in there. We should uh, name check Clutch. the He's one of the best field goal kickers in the game. He really he is. Really is. He's, you... he's almost automatic in those situations. I, like, Falcons, you know, again, I don't know where my belief level is. There's a lot of things I like with their football team. I wish they had one more something in the past game, something else. I don't know what that is. If that's feed Bijan Robinson more, whoever, right? But today was a start at least getting London and Pitts in the same game involved in the past game. That was impressive. And then, of course, they got to fix that Ritter issue. But, you know, I think they're on the right path. We've got one more game in the down-to-the-wire segment. Broncos defeat the Packers 19-17. to They get to celebrate uh, at home in Denver. Um, let's see. Uh, my favorite play in the game was uh, was watching Jordan Love uh, throw a pass to Romeo Dobbs that ended up finding uh, Jaden Reed for a touchdown. Oh, that right. Was fourth and three, play. ran a little, like, he throws a little sidearm throw. Kind of hot. It was throws like a way too hard. 99 mile an hour fastball. And it was kind of behind Dobbs, right? The ball pops in the air. Jaden Reed gets the touchdown. Yeah, that was a big moment of the football game. Gave the Green Bay Packers the lead for the first time all day. Put them up 17 to six. But that's the problem. You know, it's another game where it's funny we're actually kind of talking about this this way. I mean, yeah, Jordan Love, it's not bad. It's just not good yet. You know, there's too few and far between. It's it's too many moments of like, wait, it's three and out. It's three and out. It's six and out. It's three and out. Oh, wait, hey, we put a drive together. It's the third quarter. Well, okay. Well, shit. I mean, it's NFL football. We can't be waiting that long. You know, so that's what's kind of disappointing about them yeah. is just there's no consistency in the past game, and it does feel like you know they're managing Jordan Love a little bit on that side of the ball, let alone, again, you know the Packers defense solid, but I, I just feel like not quite as dominant as I would have expected for some of the guys they have on their roster. Yeah, Jordan Love then, the play of the game for the Denver Broncos. He was intercepted in the fourth quarter. Uh, P.J. Locke with the interception, and plug-and-play 16 says, hey, Chris, Pete, and Ahmed, who he should also say hi to Morgan and Gabby, who are here late on a Sunday once again. He will now. Uh, Kristen will be here early in the morning on Monday dealing with uh, you and, and Mike Flora. You yep. uh, 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 three-hour sleep, Chris Sims, which is very difficult to deal with for Kristen in the morning. Um, but uh, Plug and Play 16 says, Damn okay to P.J. Locke, fellow Longhorn Chris. Big clutch interception, made a great play across the field after coming in after the Kareem Jackson ejection. Yep. Uh, Peyton and the Broncos needed that first home win bad. I wouldn't be surprised, first off, just off of that, P.J. Locke, it was a really good interception. I wouldn't be surprised if Kareem Jackson ends up getting suspended here. Mm. This is like, I'm going to say, what, sixth, seventh infraction of unnecessary roughness this year? I mean, he's lost tens of thousands of money, like dollars. I mean, like over $60,000 already this year. I mean, it might be more than that, right? This is a repeat offender. I think it's getting to the point now where he might get suspended. Yeah. Second, one, the second ejection this season. Second ejection this season, let alone how many times he's been penalized for it. Yeah. Right? So, um, but, you know, even on that play, like, not to say that the guy was open, but Love tried to let it rip and throw a bomb, and the ball kind of fluttered in the air. and yeah. was way behind him, and P.J. Locke did a good job breaking on it and making the catch and securing the interception there. Uh, yeah, that just – 
you know, disappointing for a Packers offense where you go, wait, we had Aaron Jones, you know, Romeo Dobbs, Christian Watson. They're all out there, and they can't kind of find a rhythm or find anything to get going on the offensive side of the ball. Broncos, not like a ton better, but at least efficient. And the Broncos got a two-headed monster running back right now with uh, McLaughlin and, and Javante Williams. Sure. I mean, they're, they're a handful, both of those two. Yeah, Javante Williams, he ran for 82 yards, averaged 5.5 per carry, and then you got McLaughlin, who averaged 9 yards a carry on his 5 carries. Yeah, well, it's, um, he's, he's extremely explosive, uh, McLaughlin. I mean, he's a home run hitter. And then Javante Williams, just a downhill bowling ball who just breaks tackles and puts fear in defenders there. The... The Broncos come out, they have drives, they look good, they're efficient. They can't make big plays to ever get in the end zone. They always have to settle for field goals. You know, that's kind of their MO the whole year. You know, Russell's stats are pretty good. Like it's efficient. He didn't make any big mistakes. Okay. But still you're like, damn, we're paying you forty five million dollars a year. We'd like some plays on offense every now and then, a little more explosive ability. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think that's what I miss from from Denver altogether. Uh, you know, nonetheless, they got the win. Defense made the big stop, and they went down and got the clutch field goal drive at the end of the football game. That's all that mattered. It was an ugly football game. Yes. Not necessarily the most fun game to watch this Sunday. Will Lutz, 52-yard field goal. Got a name check him. Yeah, the Eventual game-winning uh, field goal. The Packers off to their worst start since 2006 when they were 2-4. and four. Brett Favre's penultimate season in Green Bay. That's a word I learned by doing the Olympics. You say the penultimate day of the Olympics. Right. Do you know what it means? Yeah, kind of. Like the, the ultimate of the ultimate days? I don't know what the hell it means. <laughs> second to last. Second to last. It's totally unnecessary. Second to last day of the Olympics. Is that just, I'll fucking go with that. Penultimate. Okay? Exactly. That's yes. what I always thought, too. Like, why do we need to say that? But we, we bring it out every time at the Olympics on the second to last day. It, it makes us sound pretty smart. Well, I, the, the Packers, they got to find something on offense. They yeah. do. It's just it's not sustainable the way they're playing, what they're doing right now. Um, Denver is who they are. I don't know if I expect a whole lot to change here. I'm going to be interested to see what kind of seller Denver is here during the, the trade deadline this week. That's going to be interesting to see. Uh, but the Packers, yeah, defense has been a little underwhelming. Running the ball has not been able – something I think they thought they were going to be able to lean on more this year. And then Jordan Love, you know, good first two weeks of the year, but kind of plateaued if not gone backwards here the last three or four weeks For to sure. where, yeah, I think they're they're worried about him and it's changed their play calling and their mentality on the offensive side of the ball because they don't trust him all the way. Breaking news. Should we do it right now? <laughs> Eagles are 6-1 and one for the second straight season for the first time since 1980-1981. Sunday Night Football just gave me that stat in real time. The Eagles defeat the Dolphins. We last left you at 17-all, yeah, right? And right. then I saw a 14-yard pass to A.J. Brown. Yep. I saw a Tua interception at the goal line. Yep, they were, they were kind of driving. He had like a slot fade by Raheem Mostert and – Kind of threw it off his back foot. The ball fluttered in the air, and the safety got over there and intercepted it. Or it was Darius Slay, I think, who came off yeah. a receiver. He went over and got it. I think he was covering Waddle downfield. Uh, but because the ball floated in the air so long, it allowed him to go get the ball. And it goes back to something I'm kind of mad. Mm. You know, I picked the Dolphins to win the football game. Sure, I did. I know that. You know, we've talked about the, the Eagles have been kind of inconsistent. I thought the Dolphins maybe would kind of have this as their, like, hey, we're for real type of party here. But, you know, in the NFL, it's more times than not 
Size beats speed. Size beats speed. The size of the Eagles was just too much for the Dolphins throughout the game. It really was. You know, both sides of the line of scrimmage, the Eagles had the advantage. Gosh, even when Hertz was thrown to A.J. Brown, it looked like the Dolphins were like half the size of him. They were bouncing off him every time he caught the football. Uh, yeah, so there was issues there. But the uh, Eagles played a really good football game. I thought it was really honestly, other than Hertz interceptions or fumble, which is going to happen, I don't mean that, I thought it was the best they looked physically on the field. They flied around the field. They were aggressive. They bullied. They kind of looked more like the Eagles of last year to me. Swift ran for 62 yards. Yeah, 279 passing for for Hertz. Now, I, I will say, too, it's like it wasn't super cold there. It was like 52 degrees in right. Philadelphia. It was pretty windy in the Northeast. Yes. So you do wonder if the conditions like size beats speed. Unless you're playing in, like, 80-degree weather where well, size gets, like, run down by the, well, by the weather. Exactly right, yeah. I, I, I hear that. You know, yeah, would the game be a little different if it was down in Miami on the short grass and it was 80 degrees and humid and, you know, the ball's sticky and, you know, Tua feels good and all that? Sure. But that's going to be the thing the Dolphins are going to have to deal with. I mean, that's, they're gonna be the, that's the thing everybody questions about the Dolphins. Is this going to work if they got to play in Kansas City and it's 5 degrees late in January, right? You know, it's the same thing that you know, a lot of people have, have wondered here. When the game gets a little, ooh, it's cold and it gets slowed down and, ooh, the grass is a little long and it's not conducive to running four one five track meet team, yeah, can they handle it that way? Um, you know, the Dolphins being a little banged up on the offensive line certainly hurt them. You know, no Xavier Howard hurt them because he's the one guy in their team that could match up with A.J. Brown and give them a little flexibility. But all in all, it was like, it just felt like the Eagles could slow death the Dolphins' defense more times than not. Like, oh, five-yard pass, you know, six-yard run. Oh, yeah. 12-yard pass. Oh, Jalen scrambles and finds somebody open for 10. Oh, four-yard run, five. It felt like they could kind of do that all game long where you felt like with the Dolphins on that side of the ball, you were like, oh, man, it's work. It's work. Can they get Tyreek in space again? Oh, they can. Maybe they still have a chance. I mean, that's kind of how it felt watching the game throughout the day. A.J. Brown catches another 10 passes for 137 yards. He, he is kind of starting to feel a little bit underappreciated. No, I was even I was going to give him a higher compliment. OK, good. Megatron ish. He, he's I mean, he's not Megatron, but it's uh, like the physicality. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, that's why I, mean, I put the ish. on. Yeah, there. yeah, I know. I know. I know. Because I, I, I was going to say, like, you know, like. Who's these dominant receivers back in the day? He's not, he's not Randy Moss. He's not the speed. No. But he's just like, you throw it up to him. him? Sorry yeah. about that. Say it, don't spray it. <laughs> you throw it up to him. <laughs> and uh, and if it's a 50-50 ball, it's like 90 It's like 90-10. Right. He gets it every time. I feel like if you throw him a slant or some under route, you go, the first guy's not going to tackle him. You know, he how many how many balls did he catch in the second half where it looked like it was third and six? He caught the ball at five yards and then was like, oh, and got eight yards. And he was like, no, you're not bringing me down with, you know, one of your small DBs. He's a physical specimen. He fits their football team. They're physical specimens throughout. And as we ended last year, as me saying, and I'm going to say the same thing this year, he's definitely without a doubt. One of the three best receivers in football. Like, without a doubt. I don't give a shit how many balls Devontae Adams catches or Stephon Diggs catches. It starts the conversation with Tyree Kill, A.J. Brown, and Justin Jefferson. And then we can work from there. But I could tell you those are the three best receivers in football. 
I, I have no bones about it or qualms or whatever the fuck you're supposed yeah. to say there. Yeah. All right. None of it. You don't None have of any it. Of I'm them, not really right? supposed to say any bones of that. Bones or qualms. Sorry, Jerry Conway and your kids in the car right now. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's late and I'm starting to lose it. <laughs> uh, AJ Brown. Pete has put this in the rundown. Yeah. This is how fast we work on Sunday nights. We're well, still this is all Pete. With He's it. the Joker. He's back there going. Ha, ha, ha. He's loving. This Look is a great... at my stats on Biting. <laughs> <laughs> this is a great get. Uh, he goes, A.J. Brown, fifth straight game with 125 or more receiving yards, ties an NFL record. Two former Lions, Kelvin Johnson and Pat Studstill. Oh, my gosh. So I... Pat Studstill. Was, was like, I've heard Pat. that name. It That's like Bobby. Is that yeah? I was gonna say, is that Bobby Lane's top receiver? Oh, probably. I mean, I think it would be right. Late fifties, early sixties. Yeah. That's what I would have thought. Um, so but you know what that is? To Kel- your point, Megatron ish. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> uh, so uh, congratulations. The Eagles get back on the winning way. They improve to six and one. Dolphins go to five and two. I told you my Megatron story before, right? Maybe. I never told you this. I'll make it quick. But either way, we're the Bucks. We have a top five pick. We're, we're thinking about taking a oh, receiver. you haven't told me okay, this. Okay, so we're thinking of taking a receiver. I've lost my spleen. It's the next offseason, right? I get on a private plane with John Gruden and Bruce Allen, and they want me to go throw to Calvin Johnson. Let's look at the future, our quarterback. I can't throw. I'm not, like, I'm, like, nervous. I'm, like, do they realize what they're about to see from me? I mean, I can't, like – throw a baseball seven feet let alone i'm gonna go out here and do a workout but for some reason i said yes to it i don't no. know what i was doing okay i definitely improved calvin johnson's draft stock that day he i was throwing ducks and balls and trying to figure out how to throw the ball and he was just like go go gadget arm go go gadget leg zoom <laughs> zoom zoom he was catching everything and all i did was throw him one wobbly duck after another uh, but that that's how damn good he is. He's special, like one of one. This was at a private workout? Private workout at Georgia Tech. Right. Yep. And what draft pick did you guys have? I want to say we had four or five. I don't know. Yeah, maybe somewhere in there, four or five. I think we ended up taking a guard. I think we took Dalvin jo- – Dalvin, uh, yeah, Dalvin Joseph or – uh, from Oklahoma, I'm messing his name up. <laughs> I'm so bad. We're, we're, I'm getting old getting and I'm forgetting right names right. and I've had too many players I played with. Kelvin went two overall. Two overall. Jamarcus Russell went first that year. Okay. Uh, you had the fourth pick and you took Gaines Adams. Oh, we took Gaines Adams from Defensive Clemson. End. R.I.P. to Gaines Adams. Mm. Right? I don't know if you remember, he died with a little heart condition a few years back. Uh, but damn, that's that's that was that draft. Okay. But yes, I helped him get drafted number two people heard other teams heard about that <laughs> they, they were, were like, like yeah, Sims is he was even Ducks. catching sims's passes <laughs> <laughs> I did not go number one after that uh so congratulations to the the eagles and uh, megatron ish aj brown on the victory there all right our next uh segment here we got a couple games to talk about in the taking care of business section We'll start with the Chiefs taking care of business against the Chargers, 31-17. to Although this game was kind of close, and at Definitely. times in the second half, looks Definitely. like Justin Herbert might be able to make some magic. But in the end, it was Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey making that magic that we see time and time again. I think we do have their uh, their numbers here for, for Week 7. I can also find them on my well, website. Oh, like, here they are. There they go. Uh, Look 424 yards, four touchdowns from Patrick Mahomes, and 179 of those going to of those yards going to Travis Kelsey I, I mean it's amazing I mean the first half of this football game was a blast to watch I mean it was an offensive shootout the ball was going back and forth down the field and it was just like I mean Mahomes had I think 305 at halftime throwing the football 
right? So that's the kind of first half we were having. You know, the Chargers defense, wait, just to let you know, Ooh. it's official. They suck, okay? That's official. Like, we don't have to worry about it anymore. They are horrible, all right? It's kind of embarrassing. And, I mean, you know, like Travis Kelsey, yeah, 12 or 179 like you broke down. I'm going to say on seven or eight of them, like – Nobody's within 10 yards of them. So how does that happen? Because obviously they know that Travis Kelsey is their top weapon. Like, what, what – I want to rule out the fact that they're complete morons. You know, I don't think they're complete no, morons. No, they're not. It's just that it's Mahomes. They do things on, on offense that stress you out. They have people going deep, two guys going deep, a guy going short. And then Kelsey, who kind of looks like he's going semi-deep, and then he finds a hole in the middle of the field. But the biggest thing he does is just when Mahomes sits there and nobody's open, and then he starts to attack the line of scrimmage, Kelsey is a wizard at finding the right place to be you know, quarterback-friendly 12 and 15 yards down the field. And then, of course, Mahomes is always looking for him in those situations because he knows Kelsey's going to find the right spot to sit down and catch the football. Yeah. So that's where it becomes tough. You're right. It's not always on the defense. A lot, a lot of their completions today were it felt like that, where it was like the normal rhythm of the play wasn't to Kelsey. Yeah. It was like, oh, nobody was open. Now i got to start moving. Now I'll find Kelsey. And that's where they're, they're of course, extremely dangerous. Mahomes talked about this as well in his Did postgame he? Yeah. comments. Yeah, he said, quote, the main thing. Thing is the way that he is able to recognize coverage and adjust on the fly. It's almost like he's playing Madden. He can read the coverage and stop on the windows and be open and be on the same page as me at all times. He'll be a Hall of Famer one day. Yeah, well, that, that's for sure. That's a <laughs> hot take there by, by yeah. Patrick Mahomes. He'll be a Hall of Famer one day. Now, if he could pick the exact day it's going to happen, then I would give him credit, right? Oh. It's like if you can nail the day. Now, now yeah, you nail the day. Yeah. Well, he, he can come, come, come somewhere close. You know. What is it? How do you have to be six retired? years and it'll be early August somewhere there? You know, so six years after retires, early yeah, August. But when's he going to retire? Chris That's... Sims will be on the sideline for the Hall of Fame game. Hopefully, then year twenty doing it. Yeah, yeah. I'll be there to talk to Travis Kelsey. Your cane. Seriously, yeah. I really hope I am. Here's the big part of the game to me. Um, Seventeen all. Chargers have the ball. They're driving down the field, right? You're going, wow. You know, in a half where it feels like they've kind of – we're getting controlled by the Chiefs. They had, Mahomes had just thrown an interception to Asante Samuel, okay, where he had MBS wide open on a poster. I want to say wide open, but he should have thrown it there. Instead, he threw it to a, a, a covered McCole Hardman. Now – the Chargers, okay, wait, wait, no. the Chargers got stopped on that drive. Let me just make sure I get this all clear here. Okay, no, no, I'm, I, was, I was right. Uh, no, I'm still not right. I'm confused here. Where okay. did I lose this? Hold on. Okay. The big play of the game, I'm just going to get to this. Let's just say the big play of the game was Mahomes <laughs> to Kelsey. All right, moving on to the next The step. big play was the, I think it was going to be 24 all. That's what I'm missing. The Chargers drive down. They got close. It's third and eight. They're on the eight-yard line. I'm, excuse me. I was a drive early, okay? So it's okay. 24-17 Chiefs. You go, it's third quarter. 
the Chargers go down and you're going, man, it's going to be 24-all here because Mahomes had just thrown a complete pass to Bell, the tight end who fumbled. Sorry, I had my turnover there we mixed go. up. Yep. Um, excuse me, everybody at home. So now the Chargers got the ball. Yes, they're down 24-17, to but you're going, damn, you know, they were kind of getting tro- controlled. It felt like the Chiefs were about to go up two scores before Bell fumbled the ball, okay? And now here comes Herbert and company. 11 plays, 73 11 plays, yards. Exactly. And now it's third and eight over the middle, and Charles Omenhu, Omenihu, I always butcher his name, gets his hands up, tips the ball in the air, and the Chiefs get an interception. I mean, that was a huge point in the football game, at least a, a turning point there where you felt like Chargers got a little momentum. They're going to be able to make things tight here in this one. And it kind of felt like the Chiefs kind of controlled the game from there on out. Chiefs shut out the Chargers in the second half, get their sixth straight win, the longest active streak in the NFL right now. I think that pretty much sums it up. I think so, too. I'm trying to look if there was any other spot that – you know, Gabby McCole Hardman, it was cool to see him. Back. When they went up 31-17, it was his big punt return, punt return. that kind of set that up. And then, uh, you know, Pacheco got in on a little pass from Mahomes there. But, you know, I'll be interested to see what he's got because it certainly was odd that he didn't get on the field with the Jets or never found a role. And we've talked about the Chiefs need somebody with a little – pizzazz or another rocket up their ass on the offensive side of the ball hopefully he can supply that while no one knows what tomorrow may bring bridgestone is working toward a more positive outlook with innovations like developing a tire using 75 percent recycled and renewable materials it's just one of the many ways bridgestone is making a difference today for generations to come because that's what really matters bridgestone solutions for your journey Visit whatreallymatters.com to learn more. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle, because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory-smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider, and also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. Follow your crave. Workmanlike for the Chiefs, who now have 13 straight division wins. The Chargers have lost two in a row. Also workmanlike for the Seattle Seahawks, beating a pesky Cardinals team. I think we can call them pesky at this point. They are pesky. 20-10. to Wasn't necessarily easy at all times. Started to rely on um, some of the other. No DK Metcalf in this game. Yep. So it was uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba who got his first touchdown in the NFL. Yeah, the post down the middle. And then the guy that you name-checked. On the Wednesday pod. Bobo. Jake Bobo, right? I think it's Jake Bobo. I, I feel like, yeah, in fact, on football just, night, you guys just call, kept calling him Bobo, I and got, I feel like I got out of respect, we need to, to say his I first got scared. name, too. I was about to it call, is Jake. I was about to call him Mike on football night in America, Yeah, and I was like, wait, 
What? I kind of blanked out, and I just yeah. went with Bobo. I did. <laughs> to- full transparency. I just went, yeah. there, Gino finds Bobo. And then Devin was saying on. Bobo. Well, I think he, he probably chickened out with me. He was like, wait, I can't remember his first name either. And then Maria's like, I guess we're just going Bobo. But, it's, but it shows you what they think of him. I told you the film last week, and one of the games I had watched before told me, like, they're using this guy. He's not on there just to, like, we're going to run the football and give our receivers a rest, so let's put him out there, right? Yeah. I, I could tell by watching the game going, no, no, they're putting him in a position here where they they have no problem with feeding him the ball or him being the first or second read. Uh, and, again, yeah, you see his size. The guy can run routes. He's got a, he really is a little bit Puka Nakua to me, honestly, except he might have a little bit more of a, a down-the-field threat there, but a, but a similar body and type of style yeah, play. Yeah, he's 6'4", he 210. Uh-huh. Big uh, UCLA boy. also played at Duke. Yeah, transferred there. Yeah. But um, the Seahawks, like you said, Cardinals are pesky. They can run the football, right? That's really where it st- starts. I mean, their one touchdown drive of the game was a bunch of big runs followed by Do- Dobbs' big run, uh, touchdown run for 25 yards. The Seahawks, you know, they have moments of looking really good and great and all that, but we still had the red zone issues once mm-hmm. again. It just feels like there's more yards and plays than there are numbers on the scoreboard yeah. at times, yeah, right? One of, one of three in the red zone. One of three in the red zone. Gino threw a bad interception one time, kind of rolling out to the left, where I think he thought he was going to hit Bobo in the end zone and kind of underthrew it or didn't see the underneath defender, and they picked it off around the one or two-yard line. But, yeah, that's where you know, they've been a little you know, inconsistent. DJ Dallas fumbles a punt return at yep. one point, sets up the short field for you know, Arizona. So a little bit like last week where, hey, we, I see the talent with, with Seattle. I don't think it's all come together on the offensive side of the ball quite yet, but it was a good start. It was one of the first games I can remember in a while where Kenneth Walker actually ran through holes and had somewhere to go. Right? That is a problem with him sometimes, right? Seeing the hole and hitting I, the I, hole. You know, I maybe uh, I, I think they just have a hard time opening up holes altogether. That could be true. They're too. a little inconsistent in that department. Um, but yeah, hopefully this kind of brings it together for them. Devin Witherspoon certainly popped a few times in the football game. I like the Seahawks defense. I think it's creative. It's aggressive. You know, like you saw, other than that one drive, I mean, really Arizona couldn't do much else during the football game. There wasn't much to speak of there. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what else, uh, if there was anything else I wanted to hit on there. We may have seen the best of Arizona already. They now have four straight losses all by double digits for the Cardinals. They dropped to one and six. Hawks fumbled a snap at one point, right? That gave the ball to the Cardinals. It just seems like dumb shit is happening to them a little too often. Yeah. uh, For a lack of better way to say it. But I will still stay. I still think the Hawks are dangerous. I do. There's too many playmakers everywhere on that football team, offensive and, offensively and defensively. And let's see if they can get – our true test will be when their O-line gets totally healthy uh, and see where they go from there. And if they can find true balance and then start to get into play-action pass again, and then maybe that gets DK and, and everybody off on more of a consistent basis. Know what it's time for? Give me the headlines. Presented by Hyundai. Two games here. We're going into the newsroom. Late, late night edition. Uh, we got the Bears defeating the Raiders 30-12. to 12. Not a great day for your guy, Josh McDaniels. We'll give it, get into Not that probably a little bit. Uh, but it is a good day for the Bears. They haven't had a whole lot of good days. 
I didn't think they'd have a good day on this day, to no. be quite honest with you. No, but you're always going to have a good day when you have Secret Bayesian Man. Secret Bayesian Man. Secret Bayesian Man. Yeah. What's his first name? <laughs> Tyson. Tyson Bajan. Tyson Bajan. <laughs> Tyson Bajan. Yeah, yeah. He, well, that's why he's secret. Well, you're not, he's not supposed he to know his first know. name. Like, Shh, you don't know my Division first name two. yet. Division two out of Shepherd. Um, we all know that school, of course, now. Uh, but he goes out there. Man, I'll tell you what. We're looking at his numbers right now. Yeah. 21 to 29, 162 yards. So we are, like, dinking and dunking. We're not really stretching the field all so that what? much. But he was outside of the pocket. I would almost guess on, like, 19 of those 21 completions, it seemed like. And for me, and correct me if I'm wrong here, it almost seemed like they had more of a plan of what they wanted to do with Tyson Bajant than they do with Justin Fields sometimes. It seemed like they definitely had a concerted effort of getting him outside the pocket, short passing game. I think exactly right. I think that was the big thing. Thing, right it was just high percentage passes he made a few little splash plays getting out of the pocket finding completions getting out of the pocket running for a few yards right did that really nicely and then the bears kicked the shit out of the raiders like physically kicked their ass i, I don't know that has to be accentuated like you think that's the story of the game? I thought that was the story of the game. I I don't know if you heard me on Football Night in America when I did the highlight, but really I said, for lack of a better way to say it, the Bears just kicked the crap out of the Raiders. They hit them on both sides of the football. Uh, they ran the ball almost it seemed like at will throughout the football game, running for 173 yards rushing. Right, just seemed like the more physical team on the football field, and then the Raiders' offense never really seemed to get anything going. Josh Jacobs and the offensive line—they got their ass whipped in the football game. Yeah, so that's what I looked at. It looked more like just a physical whooping by the Bears. Bears are definitely have turned the corner on the defensive side of the ball. I'm not mm. saying they're like anything great, but early in the year they were looking like they were the worst defense in football. You know, uh, uh, Eberflus has definitely calmed that down to where they're respectable on that side. You know, they got some young guys. They got some new parts there. They're they're still getting everybody used to their system and what they do. Um, but yeah, all in all, you know, I thought it was a, a good performance by them. You know, defense got a pick six late in the football game. The Raiders are disappointing. The Raiders are another one where it's just like. If it's not Devontae Adams taking over, what is there? And it hasn't been Devontae no, Adams taking over. Because everybody lately. knows that. So it's just like, stop Devontae Adams, and we don't really think anything can beat you, right? You know, we saw Jacoby Myers in one game kind of become a guy where they fed him the ball a bunch. But yeah, that seems to be the problem, let alone without Jimmy Garoppolo. I mean, Brian Hoyer's play was below average. I mean, he did not play well today. He has lost and, 13 straight starts now. His last win? Yeah. Guess the year. Wow. Hold on. Let's, let me think about this. Is it – he wasn't the Browns quarterback, was he? It wasn't anything like that. I don't know what team it was. No. What? You don't know what team it was? I know the year. So I'm going to say it's with the 49ers. 2018, was it? 2016. 2016. That was – He, was with, the, the he Bears. was with the Bears? Damn. The Bears. Holy crap. Who'd I, they beat? Do you I, know? I, I, w I was 11. You were Isn't that crazy? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, who they beat? Well, this is all information. See, this I don't is have. where you come up this with these things, and then I you expect me not up, to ask you the follow-up freaking knows, question. He knows. He know, he's all knowing. They beat the Lions. Yes, yeah, that's of course why I didn't they want to did. Bring it up. Why did yes. we even start talking about yes. this whole thing uh, here? 
Uh, let me, yeah, let me, let me go to Tripod 2X because he wants to talk about Josh McDaniels. He goes, Josh McDaniels was hired as an offensive guru, but the offense has been flat-out bad. Has the NFL moved past his type of offense? It's very predictable, and nothing seems easy at all. I, you know, I think they're valid questions. I do. You know, I think the fact that they haven't found a quarterback and their offensive line's playing the way it's played, I think the, the surprising to me is the offense took a step back from where it was last year. And you know, last year there you were, Devontae Adams led the NFL in receiving, and he had the number one rusher in the football, yeah. and Josh Jacobs. Now you got nothing that, you know, and, and then you had average quarterback play by Derek Carr last year on that team, and they still did those things. Right, so yeah, it does seem like they took a step back. But like we've talked about, the offensive line hasn't been good from the get-go of the year, and I, I just think they lack playmakers on both sides of the ball. Like if Max Crosby doesn't make a play for the Raiders' defense, who else is going to? Like, there's nobody else that like, and you know, again, I'm being general, mm-hmm. and a household that's just a normal football man is going to go, oh yeah. We got to watch out for, um, oh, oh, yeah. Let's see, uh, Marcus Peters on the on the Raiders. Like, who is it? Who's the next guy behind Max Crosby that you go watch out for? You know, and then on the offensive side of the ball, without the run game, the offensive line not going good. Josh Jacobs finally just getting into shape, but not going to be himself this year. And then a non quarterback. Yeah, they got issues there. And yeah, Josh and and you know. Mick Lombardi are going to have to find some ways to be a little more creative and, and you know, draw up some plays to get them going here. But yeah. I don't think the NFL has caught on to them. I just don't think they've gotten to the formula they want as of yet as far as wiring a quarterback the way they want it wired to run the system exactly the way they want it run, you know, and then uh, have the run game to go along with it, like I told you, has been an issue. So, yeah, the Raiders are in trouble. They're one of the definite – Worst three and four football yeah. teams in the NFL. Not great. I mean, yeah. this was an opportunity to go four and three. I know. And you look at the schedule and like, okay, they can make a little run here. My least favorite part of the game for Josh yeah, right. was with 12 minutes to go in the game when they were down 21 to three and had a fourth and six. He punted from it. the six. No, from the six yard line. Oh, okay. Fourth and goal from the six. Yeah. And they kicked the field goal yeah. to make it 21 to six. At yeah, that, that point. didn't make sense. He's had some questionable decisions like that, certainly as of late, right? We had the. Uh, we had the Packers game. There was a questionable decision, you know, late in the game where he kicked the long field goal and they missed it. And he gave Jordan Love and company the short field where I go, man, you either go for it or you punt it there. And then he had the other, what was that? The, the Steelers Sunday night football game where he kicked the field goal late instead of maybe going for the touchdown, remember? Yeah, and then never saw the ball and again. And they never saw the ball again, I yeah. believe, right? So the, the, those are definitely things that are going to be, yeah, scrutinized, and people are going to start to question what, what he's doing and managing football games that way. We'll give the last word to our secret Bajant man, who is the first undrafted rookie quarterback from Division Two to start a game since 1950 and the first Bears quarterback to win his first NFL start since Craig Krenzel did it in 2004. Krenzel, was he an Ohio State Ohio guy? Ohio State guy, that's right. Uh, his postgame quote, Bajan, was, don't ever let anyone's opinion stop you from chasing what you want. Uh, that's a good quote, and he did a great job. And he's a natural thrower of the football. Let me just say that. He sees the field pretty damn well. It's impressive that a kid like that, he won the backup job for the Chicago Bears as a rookie from a Division II school, right? You know? Had a nice sidearm throw that we showed on football night in America. That's what I mean. He's natural in that way. 
let alone he has the size and athletic ability to to be something. So we'll see where this goes, but great first performance by him. And it's cool. The Bears know they don't need to draft uh, Caleb Williams now. They got that guy. They can just move <laughs> past that whole thing, stock up on defensive guys. Our next game, forgive me the headlines, your Giants beat the Commanders 14-7. to Your headline for this game is... I'm too sexy for your Dexy. Too sexy for your Dexy. So sexy it hurts. Next gen stats with a stat on sexy Dexy. Uh, Dexter Lawrence generated a team high eight pressures against the Commanders. His most pressures in a game since week 10 of 2022. He was double teamed at his lowest rate this season, too, 40.5%. Four of his eight pressures came against center and former teammate Nick Gates. A lot of info on Dexter Lawrence, who dominated up front for the Giants. Dominated. The Giants' D-line dominated the football game. I mean, dominated. Anastasia Williams says Giants defensive line today, damn okay. Six sacks. Also love the throwback uniforms. Oh, well, I mean, when they put those uniforms on, the 86 Giants come out to play, okay? (laughs) They put those helmets on, it becomes a different football team. I'm telling you, they should just stick with it. There's something to it. They play giant football today. I did like it. But, like, all right, Washington, right, one of the things we questioned about them going into the season was their O-line, right? And and oddly enough, I feel like the best game they protected the whole year was against the Eagles, right? Mm-hmm. I, I, it really is. I, I remember – I don't know if you remember in that game, I was like, I'm worried they're going to get steamrolled. by, And they kind of hung in there. Most of the other games, though, they have gotten steamrolled by everybody else. I mean, today – you know, I know how, yeah, he holds the ball a little too long, and sometimes he could throw the ball away, but instead of throwing it away, he just takes a sack. Okay, yeah. we could deal with that, whatever. But it's, it, it didn't matter. I mean, there was nowhere to go. He had people in his face, you know, and as we keep doing on a weekly basis, this Giants defense is good. It's extremely well coached. You know, they're creative. They stress out your protection plans. Yeah, they were sending five basically every pass. That, that's kind of what it looked like throughout the football game. It looked like they went, wait, we're going to send five. We're kind of comfortable with what you're running downfield. We got a feel for it. So we're going to make one of our one-on-ones is going to win this matchup here. And they did throughout the day. I mean, Leonard Williams was awesome. This was a game that was uncomfortably close for no reason, right? I mean, it was 14-7, to seven, and the Giants had a lot of opportunities to kind of blow this open. Graham Gano missed a field goal. That's for sure. We know that. We had the, you know, drop pick by Kayvon Thibodeau. Um, oh, my gosh. You know, we had the drop punt by Sterling Shepard, right? There was a lot of moments in the football game where you were like, the Giants are about to take this over and go up two scores, and – could never really put it together without screwing it up themselves, really. I didn't look yeah. at it and go, oh, man, the Washington's really you know, making some plays here. It was more like, no, the Giants are kind of messing things up. And, of yeah. course, then here, the other thing you see, for two weeks in a row, when Saquon Barkley's on the football field, they're, they are a different team. It, it's, he's a guy that, you know, as we talk about, you've got to worry about his ability to catch a toss sweep and go to the house or – catch a screen and go to the house or just run out of the backfield and, oh, yeah, catch a 32-yard pass from Tyrod Taylor and then run down the sideline and make a guy miss and stop and then restart and then score a touchdown, right? So, like, just one guy like that can open up the offense for them a little bit. And I think we've seen that two weeks in a row, let alone Tyrod Taylor's playing good ball. They got Darren Waller the ball. Uh, Again, it goes back to what we've said. 
the, the Giants and these type of games right here, yeah. 14 to 7, 17, 10, 13, 10, 17, 14, that's the only way Giants can win. It really is. If it goes beyond that, they're going to lose. If we go past 24, the Giants cannot win the game. If they can keep it under 20, I like their chances. <laughs> and that's kind of what they're going to have to do. But to make Washington with those receivers, right, yeah. to go one for 15 on third down, like, are you fucking kidding me? I mean, with the six sacks, that tells you not only they had a feel for the offense, but they whooped their ass up front. It's like a double thing there. Uh, really impressed with what the Giants did today. Yeah, the Giants had five sacks in their first six games. They had six sacks alone today. But as you mentioned, Washington still had chances in late in fourth quarter, final chance, fourth and five. Sam Howell threw it to Jahan Dotson a little behind him. Still could have been caught. Probably would have been a first down, down to the two-yard line. Could have been different. Could have tied it up, maybe gone ahead with a two-point conversion. But Washington loses. They're three and four. Yeah. And Jonathan Allen, oh, my Ooh. gosh, he is not happy about it. Oh, Pete, do oh. Pete, do we hear the sound? Okay, the people, okay, here it is. So Pete said to us before we started, I don't know how anyone directs live TV. This was the first real live moment for Pete right here (laughs) to run the Jonathan Allen soundbite. We got to hear that Jonathan Allen soundbite. We we got to hear it. Do we give Pete a second chance, though? I mean, I don't know. The sound oh, no. bite is so good. He doesn't good, sound confident. In, it, it should get a second chance. But if it doesn't work out, then we'll just erase it and act like it never happened. No, we can't erase it. There's no going back. <laughs> this is happening in real time. Uh, Pete, are you ready? Should I set it up again? Okay, here it is. All right, here. I'm going to do it again. Three, do it again. two, one. We're keeping this all in. Uh, Jonathan Allen, after the game, was not happy. Oh, no. He's not talking again. <laughs> okay, so here, let, just sum it up for us, Chris. Basically, um, what did he say about it? He just said, um, do you want me to really say what he said? No, sounds? just maybe yeah. just bleep. A lot of bleeps, yeah. and he's sick of this bleep. Yeah. And we got to play better, and uh-huh. I'm sick of losing these bleeping games. And, you know, this bleep better clean up soon, something like that. I would say that's pretty pretty close to Will they be able to clean it up soon? They're three and four now. <sighs> I think they're, like, going to have moments, be a pain in the butt. But, no, they're not going to clean it up soon. No, the, what, what, you know, one, defense not playing up to standards or doesn't show me any signs of going, oh, yeah, it's about to turn around and they're going to they're gonna be one of the better units in football. Like we've been talking about, it's disappointing what they are on that side of the ball. Offensively, you know, like – I think they'll have moments against bad defenses, yeah. but I don't know if they're going to look real good against any of the you know top half of the NFL because of their inability to protect. Well, that's yeah. Howell's still young, and they are still learning a new system that's you know new to them that way. And that's maybe the, a little disappointing for Eric Bieniemy and, and watching the commander's offense is that you do have a quarterback who's probably predisposed to holding onto the ball a little too long. I think he had that problem in college and you do have an offensive line that's struggling. And so that combination is not great, but if you're Eric, it seems like you got to figure something out here. I mean, you just cannot continue to take six sacks a game. No, right. No, there's gotta be some way to fix it. There's, you know, whether it's gotta be more screens, wide receiver screens, a more influence of the short passing game, whatever. Yeah. They got to help, protect him a little bit right uh because again back to the offensive line thing i don't think they're ever going to be able to run the ball consistently against the better defenses in football or a defensive line like the giants have like people might not know the giants have size and physicality they might not have like anybody that scares you off the edge as a pass rusher so what but like you know 
Thibodeau, Jihad Ward are really good run defenders, and you're not going to bully them in that department. Right? So, yeah, I don't see that the Washington's going to turn this around by any stretch of the yeah. imagination. They were clearly dominated today. You know, I also didn't bring up Saquon fumbling on the 10-yard line going into score two, right? So I'm like, as I'm sitting here, I'm going, wait, there, there was more plays here that the Giants messed up that kind of squashed this from being a total, I don't want to say a blowout, but at least a convincing two-score, maybe low three-score type of win. Uh, but either way, you don't mess with the G-men when they wear those uniforms. And last thing I know, some of your Giants friends are going to come up to you this week yeah. and tell you, right? Ah, they should stick with Tyrod. They should stick with Tyrod. I, no doubt. What are you going to say to them? I'm going to say, like, one, offensive line played as good as it's played, and two, let's let Daniel Jones have a game with Saquon Barkley in the in the lineup. I think that that is a big difference maker, right? I think you get situations and personnel sets when Saquon Barkley's on the field where – teams might play at a more aggressive coverage because they're worried about stopping something Barkley that then therefore lends itself to, hey, look, we're man-to-man with Jalen Hyatt or Waller or whoever, right? But Tyrod Taylor you know, showing that he's one of the best backups in football. Giants snapped their four-game losing streak. They improved to 2-5 and five with the win against the Commanders. And that was Give Me the Headlines presented by Hyundai. Before we get out of here, we don't want to forget – Thursday night football. No. Jaguars beat the Saints. The Saints, a furious comeback by the Saints. But just a, a game that they could have tied is on the fingertips of Foster, Foster Moreau, Moreau right? at the end there. Uh, they come back, but the Jaguars hold on to win. What's your, your big takeaway from that game? Um, uh, like, the Jaguars should have won by three scores. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's what I – that's what it felt like. Yeah. I mean, even from the get-go, even when the game was 14-6, to you were like, wait, this game should be 28-6. to I mean, again, it was Jacksonville doing dumb stuff, not me necessarily sitting there going, oh, wow, right? They had the guys run into each other on the punt return, right? That gave the Saints a short field. Christian Kirk has a huge gain. He decides to get up after catching a 30-yard pass where he kind of went to the ground to catch it and then gets up and gets strip, strip, strip fumble. They get the ball there, right? It was more to me like, mistakes by Jacksonville now credit to New Orleans for kind of hanging around and you know being a pain in the ass uh I I do give him credit for that but but nonetheless I I still look at Jacksonville and go watch out with the Saints I mean they're like they're quite arguably the most boring team to watch in football (laughs) right and what Derek Carr did on Thursday night um he should be embarrassed he, he should was, be about the, was, the fact that he yelled at everybody except himself the whole game, right? It didn't matter what it was. And there were some plays where I show replays and I want to go, wait, that guy was open and you're yelling at the guy that you threw the covered ball to. Like, that, that was not a good look for Derek Carr. You know, for him to be sitting there, you know, just constantly looking like anybody that's watching that game. Listen, it's just me. It's everybody that I've talked to about that game. It was not a good look for him to be sitting there blaming everybody else, pointing the fingers at the every play, right? So I didn't love that necessarily. But then, you know, it goes back into two. I mean, all that firepower, 55 throws for 301 yards, you know? I mean, who'd you just talked about a few minutes ago? Gardner Minshew had 15 completions for 300 and something yards, right? This is 33 completions, and it's a dink and dunk fest, and it's lack of aggression. And 
Yeah, there's just a toughness of the Saints that's missing, in my opinion, that makes me really not have the confidence to back them to think like anything special is going to turn around or they're going to make some sort of run here down the stretch. Derek Carr is kind of turning into 2022 Matt Ryan a little bit. Like it's like it's going down. It definitely fast. doesn't look good. Right. It doesn't. You know, even on the Forrester Moreau throw, like throw a laser right at his head. What? Do, why are you leading the big six six two hundred and fifty five tight end, down tight end, stretching him out into the corner? Like, yeah, he should have caught it. I got it. I know that. But why is it laying it up there? Like, put some authority behind it. Throw the ball, right? Hmm. Let alone his hair is really black. I mean, it's really black. Yeah. Like, he's dying his hair. Yeah. It is it's a little odd. It's, that's the second thing everybody talked about <laughs> after the game was Derek Carr pointing fingers and then going, wait, his hair kind of looks ridiculous. Okay? So he's got to fix that. You know, Go can, natural, you, you Derek can, Carr. No, you, but you can do is you can do, like, medium brown. It's like he probably should just switch to medium brown. Do something. Or don't do anything at all. He's a handsome guy. What the hell is he worried about? Like, he, does he think he's, like, you know, Leo, Neo from the Matrix Maybe. And like 20 years ago? Maybe Come he on. does think that. Get out of here. Uh, one final game to go. Monday Night Football, 49ers at the Vikings, the – Eagles avenged their only loss. I guess they didn't avenge it, but they bounced back from their only loss. Do you think the 49ers do the same? I'd be shocked if they didn't. I wouldn't. I mean, this is a rough week for the Vikings to catch the 49ers. Now, they might get lucky as far as what Debo's out, right? Mm -hmm. We'll see about McCaffrey tomorrow. So I think McCaffrey's supposed to be in, right? Yeah, I think it sounded told, like it was trending that way. I read something where he told Kyle to keep right. all his plays in. So so he'll, he'll be ready to go there. I, I, don't, I, I don't imagine the Vikings – being able to consistently stop the 49ers offense. You know, I just think there's too much firepower there. And even though I love B. Flow and what he does on the defensive side of the ball with the Minnesota Vikings, I don't think they have enough good players to stop that attack by the 49ers. Other side of the ball, almost feel the same way. Without Justin Jefferson, right, who's going to be the guy that's going to scare the 49ers or make plays or help them drive the ball consistently? The Vikings are not a good running football team. So now it just becomes stop Kirk Cousins and, you know, one of the two receivers, right, whether that's Osborne or Addison, and – you know, don't let play action burn you. And I just have a hard time seeing the Vikings have a consistent offensive, you know, showing or explosion uh, yeah. with that style of football. All right, we'll have fun watching that one. You know it. Monday Night Football, and we're done. We're That's done. It. We, we did it. it. 11.57 on a Sunday night. Week 7 is in the books. Eagles whoop the crap out of the Dolphins. All right, everybody, you know where to find us. Wednesday, we'll be back for the What the Fuck Happened podcast, a.k.a. Treasure Hunters PG-13 version. Okay, we'll be here for that. Yeah. But keep sending in the questions. Please subscribe, rate, review. You know where to find us on social media. Ahmed, thanks as always for being the bestest, nicest host in the thank world. You. Thank you for wearing your red pants. Of course. And thank you for wearing the Chris Sims Unbuttoned <laughs> shirt yeah. on a day that was very hard for you. One day. Because your Lions got their ass whooped by it the Ravens. Bad. Clap it up. Clap it up. <laughs> we went out on that one. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway. 
and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one McCrispy, so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.